Hello, and welcome to the second season of the Kick-Ass Women podcast, where we highlight inspiring women and their amazing stories. We're back after a bit of a break, but we're back stronger than ever before and excited to kick off the new season. With this new season come a number of novelties. First of all, I'm new. My name is Hannah, and I'll be co-hosting the Kick-Ass Women podcast with Adriana from here on out. Secondly, our guests are new. We continue to interview inspiring women from the startup and investing world, but we're also going to venture outside of that a little bit and bring you a number of profiles from backgrounds we haven't typically highlighted. So stay tuned for the rest of the season to meet more inspiring women from many different areas. Today, our guest is Suzanne Michigan. She's the co-founder of MindMate and Citrus Labs. MindMate is an app with mental exercises, workout routines, and recipes designed for people with memory loss. Citrus Labs, where Suzanne currently serves as the CEO, as a comprehensive set of software and recruitment tools to help research organizations screen, enroll, and retain patients for clinical trials. Suzanne is a Techstars 2016 graduate and now a Techstars All-Star mentor. She's also a fellow podcast host. Currently, she's based out of Los Angeles with plans to spend the holiday season in Hawaii. And the answer is yes, I'm very jealous. Today, we're talking about the worst advice she's ever gotten, her journey across the world from Glasgow to the U.S. West Coast, and her unexpected path towards entrepreneurship. So let's hear from Suzanne. I know you were originally interested in pursuing a career in consulting, like many aspiring, young, ambitious women typically do. But then something happened, which is your first venture, MindMate. So maybe can you tell us a little bit about what made you decide to move away from your original ambitions and to pursue a career in a startup? Yeah. So initially, as you mentioned, I 100% wanted to be a consultant. That was my dream job, right? traveling a lot, working a lot, making a lot of money. Um, but uh, I, before I started my master's degree in Glasgow in Scotland, I actually did an internship uh, in a startup in Vienna. Um, and that actually completely changed my mind because I started with the internship and the only instruction was like, yo, we need a business model, create something. And I was like, oh, okay. So say no, like training, nothing I should know about. No, here's like stuff, read about it, and then create a business model. Um, so I was faced with extreme responsibility that I have not felt in any of my internships. And this is when I knew that I really wanted to be an entrepreneur and not a consultant, because also historically from... My work performance was always best in my internships when I was responsible for projects and when I was not just a member of a team, a project team. And this is how um, I got introduced to entrepreneurship and startups. And this is when I knew I wanted to start my own business. So I understand that's when the vision of you wanting to become an entrepreneur was originally planted. But then the question is, what do you want to found? What problem do you want to solve? And also, who do you want to do this with? So what happened next for you? So I met my co-founders, Patrick and Roger, during our master's degree. And uh, Roger, he cared for seven years for his grandfather with Alzheimer's. 
And this is how the idea of Migrate was born to help initially to help family members, but also people with Alzheimer's, early stages of Alzheimer's to live like a full life. But then uh, after talking to many potential users and customers, we pivoted a little bit and created then an app to help people reduce the risk of developing cognitive decline in the first place. And then out of that idea, uh, Citrus Labs was born, which is matching patients to clinical trials, something entirely different, but MindMate still exists. Citrus Labs can't be without MindMate because we actually are uh, receiving patients uh, via the MindMate app still and matching via MindMate patients to clinical trials. So what does that mean or how does that work exactly? So uh, basically, we uh, recruit patients via MindMate to clinical trials. Uh, MindMate is not our only app. We have a second consumer product now as well. Um, and we also partnered with over 20 different health apps um, where we also find patients uh, for clinical trials. So basically, unlike other companies in that industry, they are uh, historically marketing agencies. They find people via billboards, newspaper, uh, magazines, TV, radio ads. And we do that via health apps because the data points you can collect via these health apps are a lot better. Obviously, you have behavioral data, you have demographic data as well, and ideally also medical data. And we use these data points to match patients based on the trial-specific criteria. Now, that makes a lot of sense. And there seems to be a viable gap that Citrus Labs readily addresses. Now, let's take a trip down memory lane and turn back to your first venture, MindMate, and the problem you addressed with that. How did you find a value proposition for MindMate when you first started out? We looked at the problem a little bit different, in a different way than other companies did. So, for example, when you are looking at products for people with memory loss, Alzheimer's, dementia, you will find these huge playing cards, uh, with animals on it, and then you basically show it to the people and ask them, what's the name of this animal, right? Do you think this is a good way to engage people that have memory loss? Probably not, right? Because just when you are diagnosed with memory loss, with Alzheimer's, doesn't mean that you that you can't live still a full life, and it's kind of, it's a little bit insulting to these people as well, right? So based on that, we wanted to create a product that is not insulting and that actually helps people with their memory concerns. Now, there was a study that was uh, published. I think it was published in 2015 as well when we started, and it was um, groundbreaking. It was a groundbreaking study that showed for the first time that a combination of games, mostly brain games, physical exercises and the right nutrition can first reduce the risk of developing a cognitive decline when you already have it, it can slow down the progress. So this is what we looked into. And also when you're looking at technology, many people use technology, right? Also old people use technology now to think about that. Uh, one of our biggest concerns we always got and us surprisingly still getting is um, that people tell us that, well, older people don't use technology. And then we ask, well, how old are your parents? Well, they're like 65, 70, 75. Do they use a smartphone? Yes. So old people use technology, right? Your parents 
our target group. <laughs> We're not talking about a 1995 year old person. Um, we are talking about people between 65 and 75. And these people, this, this demographic uses technology. And when they are diagnosed with memory loss, then there's nothing basically they can, they can do to actually help with their progress because there is no technology that exists. The technology that exists is technology that is created for younger people, like um, brain games like Lomosity or Peak, for example, and that's too complicated. Additionally, when you're looking at workout apps, you know, older people can't do burpees. They probably can't even do squats, right? So we created also a workout program that you can do seated, seated exercises or like some really easy to do exercises in like a standing position as well and then obviously there's nutrition and we have like great recipes that are following the mediterranean diet and health tips and this is how we created also the content for the app while looking at what's out there and what do people that are actually living with this health condition want so this is one thing that's super important is you really have to talk to your target group and you have to validate your idea. And validating your idea doesn't mean that you actually have to build a product. You can validate your idea with a landing page and just a few slides. And did you do it with slides or how did you do it? We did it via Envision, uh, which is basically creating an, an app prototype, right? And you just have to insert uh, some screens that you can build with, for example, Apple Keynote, super easy to design. And I just put it in there and it looks like actually a functioning app. And the first six months of our journey was just with Envision and showing this app, this prototype to a lot of people, talking to a lot of people. And once we knew how our product should look like and what our target group actually wants, we created a product. That was the Mike made app. As we're trotting down memory lane, take me back to how the pivot from MindMade to Citrus Labs happened. What did you encounter along the way that made you shift direction and reorient yourself toward a new business? So as an app company, you have to think about how to make money. The days that you just create like a huge user base and then you figure it out later, these days are over, unfortunately. You... Ideally, you have to make money from day one and show that your business is more than just users, right? And this is where we struggled with a lot. Uh, we tried subscription, we tried in-app purchases because our users are fairly new to technology. They feel everything on the internet should be free and everything they download is free and nobody wanted to pay. So that, that was a big issue. We also tried selling this to nursing homes, which work. Um, the NHS, the National Health Service in the United Kingdom, reimbursed nursing homes for this, which is huge. But it's not the business we wanted to be in because we were basically seen as the IT department then of the nursing homes. So Sunday night, they called us, hey, Wi-Fi is down. What can we do? And we were like, ah, we don't know. We just delivered the app, right? So that was an issue. And we decided to to pull the plaque on that because this is not where we wanted to be as a as a business and as a company. And then we we were basically without a business model. But then something good happened. We got approached by a pharmaceutical company 
that did run a huge trial for people with Alzheimer's uh, testing a new drug, and they had a uh, 95% screen failure rate. They, they have so many patients in their pipeline, but only like 5% passed the screening. So they needed like a lot more patients. And then they contacted us. We told them, okay, let's just see what will happen. And we really help you recruit patients for a clinical trial. And it worked. So this is when basically the first step of that pivot happened from mind made to citrus apps. We then obviously looked into other trials as well. So if it worked equally well, which it did, and now we're here like a couple of years later. And so we are now Citrus Apps because MindMate is more like, it's a good name if you're just in the neurology space, but now we also cater to trials in the oncology space, cardiovascular space, pain-related diseases. So this is why... We are now called Citrus Apps, and it's actually a Scottish name because the first clinical trial ever happened in Scotland with citrus fruits. Now, with all of this expertise that you have in healthcare and particularly in the clinical trial industry, how has that industry been affected by COVID? I would imagine, obviously, there's a rush to produce a COVID vaccine now when several large-scale trials are underway by some of the big pharmaceutical companies. But potentially the reorientation towards or focus on that may have also had adverse effects on the clinical trial industry as a whole. So what's the situation like at the moment? So the clinical trial industry was hit very hard by COVID, mostly because, uh, number one, practices had to close down because nobody knew what protocols to follow. Clinical trials were paused. And they are just starting to slowly start again, um, mostly because patients don't want to go near a doctor right now, because obviously when you go to a doctor, there are usually sick people around, right? You don't want to expose yourself to these germs. <laughs> so this was uh, hard, especially because we were profitable uh, pre Corona and then our revenue plummeted extremely. So what we did is actually we kind of reinvented ourselves again and we are now offering virtual clinical trials, not for the pharmaceutical industry yet, but for the beauty and cosmetic industry that is also running clinical trials. And so this is what we what we offer right now and it's going extremely well. In the past two weeks, clinical trials in the pharmaceutical space, they start to reopen now again, which is great. Um, so we were swamped with like inbound requests of biotechs, pharma that told us, hey, our clinical trials start again. We are super behind schedule. Please help us. Okay. But the beauty industry, also an interesting customer segment to tap into. So what's the role of clinical trials in the beauty industry? Almost every skincare product underwent a clinical trial. Right, especially when you have sunscreen in there, it's usually tested, clinically tested. And how it works is basically these uh, these candidates, um, they are getting uh, product samples, right? They have to use these product samples based on uh, your instructions. And then they see if, if actually it works, for example, wrinkles, if wrinkles are getting better over, so stay the same. And then they know if, if their product works and the, a clinical trial in, this industry is more about product claims. So it, it's less about prescription 
it's more about is my claim that I give my product is that right or is that wrong now We've talked about how you've pivoted your business multiple times from MindMade to Citrus Labs and add Citrus Labs toward a new target segment, namely the beauty industry. But amidst all of this happening, you've also pivoted the geographic center of your life away from Europe and towards the U.S. How and why did that occur? I think we would not be able to do what we did in Europe. Um, simply because my two co-founders and I, we are young, we don't have industry experience. So people in Europe were like, ah, they can't do it because they haven't worked for Pfizer for 20 years. And I think this attitude towards founders is very different when you are in the United States, even though obviously things are changing, but the US is still about everything is possible, right? And it's more like a dream big attitude, right? So we applied to accelerators, startup accelerators, and we got accepted into Techstars, uh, New York City in 2016. And this is when we moved from Scotland to the US in 2016. It was a great experience and we decided to stay because nobody in Europe believed in us and people in the US did. So we had investors there. But New York was, for me personally, not the place to be. Uh, it's loud, it's busy, it stinks. And when there were uh, mice in the apartment, that was enough. This is um, when we decided to actually move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that that's something you would want to avoid. So now you're based in L.A. Now, typically when you think startup and investing and that kind of scene, then the Bay Area and Silicon Valley comes to mind. But you decided to settle a few miles further south. So what's the startup scene like in the City of Angels? So funny that you asked. Most of our investors are actually East Coast based. Uh, so they are in New York, in Boston, and a couple of them also in, uh, in L.A., I think it doesn't really matter right now where you are. Even like pre-corona, everything was moving a little bit away also from SF and Silicon Valley. There was even like this opportunity zone thing, right? That you're getting tax breaks when you invest in startups that are not based in Silicon Valley. So I think that it actually changed already pre-COVID. And one thing that we also noticed that when we did fundraising, we were only in SF twice. And almost every investor we wanted to meet out of the valley came to Los Angeles because they have like huge deal flow from here too. Also funds in LA, they are great. So one of the good funds here is Macro Capital. They invested in us. Uh, they were one of uh, our first checks who really believed in us, gave us like seed money. And also later some more growth money, which was great. And they recently had, I think it was the biggest exit in all of LA with $4 billion. Their portfolio company, Honey, was sold to PayPal. Wow, that's certainly impressive. One can only hope that something like that is in store for you guys as well. So what is in store for Citrus Labs? What are your next steps? What do you aspire to? Well, I hope that we become profitable again. And I think this is also me being a female leader, that I'm all about profitability and having a sustainable business, right? Because I think it doesn't make, in my opinion, it doesn't make sense to 
put everything on growth and lose your profitability angle. Maybe it's also because I'm from Europe, right? <laughs> My number one goal is, is really to be profitable again in 2021 and grow in a sustainable way so that uh, we can actually serve many clinical trials and also help many people in the US that are underinsured to actually get the care um, they deserve because they could otherwise not afford it if it wouldn't be for clinical trials. Certainly keeping my fingers crossed for you guys. But amidst all of this and the many ups and downs and in-betweens, have you ever considered not wanting to be a founder and not running your own business? I would never not be a founder. I think founders have the best job, right? Even though it's a lot of work, it's not a lot of money, but it's really rewarding. I think the biggest advantage uh, founders have is flexibility and also having their own destiny in their own hands. And uh, this is what I also want for me in the future. So last segment now. Now, what you've achieved is so remarkable with your businesses and the many side hustles that you also entertain, including your podcast, Founder Smart, and so many other things. So my last question is, along this long journey, what were some of the biggest learnings or maybe also some of the worst advice that you ever got? For me, it's mostly about taking every advice I get with a grain of salt. Because only you as a founder know your company, right? And you know your company really, really well. And I got extremely bad advice from very successful people, actually, that exited their companies for like hundreds of millions, right? But they, they didn't understand my business. So what I usually do now is every advice I get it's it's with a crane of salt. So for example, one of our D investors told us that the pharmaceutical space, we shouldn't bother because it's so complex and so complicated and we could never be successful in that. So this is just one example, right? Now we are in it and it works, right? And uh, this, this list basically goes on and on. Another big mistake we have made is we hired a head of sales too early on and Many of our very dear investors, which we love a lot, uh, told us to hire a head of sales because, Suzanne, you are not a salesperson, but it's now the common consensus amongst founders that you should not hire a head of sales unless you hit one million in revenue. This was it from Suzanne Mitchke of Citrus Labs for this episode. We've learned why being an entrepreneur is a dream job. We've gotten smarter about the market for memory loss aids and unexpected new target customer groups for clinical trials. We've seen how to pivot business models and geographic locations and the quest for making a startup successful while taking advice from well-meaning supporters with a grain of salt. And we continue to remain jealous that Suzanne is planning on spending the rest of the year in Hawaii. With that, we're tuning out for today, but do stay tuned for more inspiring women and their amazing stories on the next episode of the Kick-Ass Women podcast.